and welcome to the third episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents Hometown Haunts. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and tonight with me, I have Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. Good night, or good evening, ladies. Good night. Hello. Hello. Good night. It is, it is good night. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, for uh, hauntings, you know. It is a good night for hauntings. It's wonderful weather here in Cincinnati today. Um, it's been a very long day because our Kickstarter launched today. Yay! So you can go to Kickstarter and search for Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. So, so do we want to talk about the Kickstarter first and then do what's weird this week? No, or? we can do our weird things. Okay, let's do weird things. I'm just saying that we're excited today. We are yes. excited. We are. It's been a long day, like preparing for the Kickstarter and doing all the video stuff and then, you know, making flaming skulls. I said, that's the one thing I've learned from... <laughs> And, and Jen had to hear me talking about making because last night I said I think I need to make something with flaming skulls. Our flaming skull needs a name. It does. I'm gonna make a sticker with it. And Kelly, uh, Kelly, 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 Billy. So uh, viewers, if you have, oh please, can you put like the gif of him or her? Yeah, people can see our flaming. Have skull. have them bumping around the screen, and for you viewers and listeners, we need a name for this flaming skull. So if you have a suggestion, like our mascot. You can, yeah, it could be our mascot. Um, I, I know Astonishing Legends has Astonishing Al, who's also a skull, but he's wearing headphones. So, mm-hmm. um, but you can send them to our email, which is it is cincy curiosities curiosities at gmail.com so c-i-n-c-y curiosities at gmail.com but if you have a name suggestion for our wonderful flaming skull yes yes send it there well that's part of a you know part of our art trope is that if you are doing fantasy art if it's not working at a skull and if it's still not working at a bunch of skulls and if it's still not working at a dragon yeah yeah aspiring artists if you're wondering the true trick to making your best art it's more skulls i I don't know how many times i use that in witches and sorcerers doing the sorcerer's alchemy room and i'm just like how can i make this look more spooky oh well we need a skull candle somewhere that the 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 candle stuck in the skull or like a raven or something like that just to give that spooky ambiance of magic is happening here exactly you can never go wrong with a bunch of skulls i mean it's just sort of the ultimate Um, i don't know if there's is there a writing equivalent of that jen um oh man you're putting me on the spot (laughs) full moon oh yeah there we go dark and stormy night yeah but that that brings me (laughs) to christina and the weird stuff i saw this week segment yes oh yes. we need like a little jingle weird stuff we saw this week hey i like that 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 yeah. works I, I was thinking about making a logo for it um, there we go which i might you know when i'm cutting it together yes uh, you know maybe with something flaming just because you know since i learned how to make things you know have flames <laughs> and after effects now i want to do it on everything i've learned how to set things on fire exactly exactly digitally there's got to be like people that are into video that 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 has to be it's kind of like in graphic design when somebody uses too many drop shadows or or um or gradients in their type like i'm looking at aj abrams and all (laughs) your lens flares throughout star trek it's like a it's like a it's like a stage you go through when you're working on video that you want everything to have that you need air horns everywhere um but but yeah speaking of that was uh, skulls is a good segue because um, you got stories about them <laughs> well you know uh, i always like reading boing boing you know it had a thing on i guess there was an article in the atlantic there's a surprising amount of laws about the, not just human remains but skulls and um and the it's people a, love skulls yes and this is from an atlantic article it says in the united states no federal law prevents owning buying or selling human remains unless the remains are native american otherwise whether you're able to sell or own remains is decided in each individual state so you never knew states rights involved the ownership of skulls 
I did not have to do with like burying people on your own property. Uh, burying on your, your property. A lot of that has to do probably with funeral homes and graveyards. Although there probably are some health issues if you had too many people buried on your property. So yeah. maybe that's a serious <laughs> water hole. <laughs> but it says at least 38 states have laws that should prevent the sale of human remains. But in reality, the laws are vague, confusing, and enforced at random. In one seven-month period in 2012 to 13, 454 human skulls were listed on eBay with an average opening bid of just under $650. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then it goes on to talk about how you treat a you know, skull before you sell it and deflesh it. You know, mm. all this stuff that uh, actually is- Beetles! <laughs> yes, yes, that's what it says. They, they use defleshing- Beetles! Uh, yeah, well, aren't there? There's certain. Isn't there a place where they, uh, where they do research and they use different types of beetles and stuff like that to clean off? Yeah, they have the body farms. Different universities, yes, that's what it colleges is. Yeah. have body farms. Um, um, the Museum of Osteology, which is just south of Oklahoma City, wonderful place. I highly suggest you go there. Um, they have a huge display of the beetles actually taking the flesh and off of bones that are brought in so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so- i loved it <laughs> mike was queasy but i loved it <laughs> there's so yeah, much- it sounds a little bit vomit inducing yes <laughs> <laughs> it's just little bugs that are just taking bits of what looks like jerkied meat off of a bone at that point like uh, yeah i mean mm-hmm. it, it dries out as it just sits in a dry climate so true that's yeah, true. when I was when I was young, my parents sent me to a natural history museum camp in Cincinnati. Oh, fun! Things we got to learn, and that was taxidermy, oh, um, which is kind of an unusual thing to do at camp. We each got a frozen mouse, and we're taught how to make it into like a stuffed mouse. Mine looked really terrible. Um, <laughs> I had I sewed up its face crooked. Um, my crafting skills weren't really peak when I was you know that young, <laughs> and it disappeared. Still have it? No, um, I think there's two options we had a bunch of cats so either a cat shredded it or my mom threw it away or both Um, Mm. you know it's probably a combination of both but they said if you were good at taxidermy which is also kind of like sculpture that you can make a good living yeah uh, if you're really not if you're really good at uh dealing with that but yeah you know that involves like you know cutting you know cutting I guess it's a little bit quiz inducing too. You know, you have to- so new <laughs> challenge for all our listeners. Please send us fan art of the taxidermied mouse that Christina made in what, elementary school. Was they um, I, you know, I can't remember what year. I'll have to ask how old I was. Probably in the junior high-ish sort of. Age. So taxidermied mouse, everyone. I know. I know. I, I don't know if that's still a thing in camp, but you know, that almost I, sounds I, like an Adams family camp or something. I dissected owl pellets in my Girl Scout camp, and oh, that's cool. That I loved. I love owls, so it's just like, sure, your vomit pellets, just give them to me. I want to see what kind of mice you've been eating. Exactly. But I remember in my house growing up, we had one of those window wells, and shrews would get stuck in them, and. Yeah shrews and frogs so i would do my best to save them but if they expired um i would take them out and dissect them Ooh, so yeah fascinating but very wednesday (laughs) very yeah um my dad was like yeah this is fine because he would take me fishing and you know like you're filleting fish as soon as you get them back to the dock and he he was fine with it he was also an avid hunter my mom was just like no no mm, no so but i never taxidermied them i just kind of it was not, it was really went, woo, and then and then they disappeared because we also had cats <laughs> yeah i did Speaking of I cats that's my cat bringing down his stuffed animal he heard us talking about mice and stuff <laughs> so jen had a build on the skulls thing too you were talking yeah about you friend did who sold skulls or not a friend i just so i <laughs> that's a great that's a great segue not a friend not a friend well no i like i like i, I like people that like creepy things obviously mm-hmm. hi um but i just i went into this oddity shop in um florida and i'm drawing a blank um on the name of the town but uh i was buying a skull plate 
you know, just had an enameled plate or whatever. And I happened to mention to the guy checking me out and I'm like, I like skulls. And he's like, oh, I like skulls. And then he pulls out his phone and shows me a picture of the shelving that he had just built for his skull collection, his human skull, skull collection. And they were there sitting there in a row. I mean, he had at least nine of them, I think wow. six or nine. And I was just like, okay, that's cool. Don't know if I could have that in my house. And if I, if I was dating a guy and walked into it, that would scare me. But, uh, he was, you could just tell he just had this really cool fascination with bones and medical stuff. And he, he, he and my friend, I was with actually hit it off and they just started going off about things. And he just like, he just kind of looked at us. You, you just know when you find a kindred soul that likes, likes those things. And he was, he was excited to talk about it, mm -hmm. but I asked him, how does one, like, how do you acquire a human skull? Like right. you can just happen to find one. That's I've heard of people finding them. Maybe those should be reported to the proper authorities. And I think sometimes they have been, Yeah. but then they're like, we don't want it. We can't do anything with it. It's not foul play, you know, so then they get to keep the skull. And he was just kind of cagey about he how he acquired his because he yeah. said he just gotten one from overseas. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> there's but a, there's a an, lot about that. It was an interesting experience, I'd have to say. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say ask a mortician who is a very popular YouTuber, who is an mm. actual mortician. I believe she has broached this topic before. Okay. So I may direct people to go watch that because she, she explains it much better than I think anybody else could. But mm -hmm. a lot of skulls that get sold were once a part of somebody else, mainly from mm, China, and may not have gotten um, at like appropriately uh, acquired. So kind of like the bodies exhibits that go around. You yeah. have to wonder where the bodies came from and who they were. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of ethical questions about where these skulls are coming from and uh, how much they're going for and all that. And then, yeah. uh, especially with Native American artifacts, not just, um, just material artifacts, also bones and stuff, where are they getting found? The you find random um, burial pits around the United States and Canada, and uh, just going well. Who does the, does this go to? Cultural resource management. Does this go to the authorities? Who does who do these remains belong to? And then ultimately, they should be buried in a pauper cemetery. Yeah. But, um, well, my mind immediately goes to serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I guess you wouldn't probably dis display the skulls and then show them to random strangers. There's a little <laughs> bit of a Dexter feel to the man that you yeah. just described. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And then, uh, Kat, you had your, uh, you, you visited your hacienda. Oh, yes. I visited my hacienda on a completely non-skull related topic. So if you remember a few weeks back, I talked about my hometown haunting, which was the Hacienda Mexican restaurant, which was the former Cam Mansion in Mishawaka, Indiana. Well, I had the opportunity to go up to Mishawaka just to visit and managed to take a very quick walk around the property. I did not go inside the building. It's already been gutted and renovated so the original mansion feel is no longer there but the exterior is still there so I did take some video and some photos some of them I posted on my Instagram um, of the old KNS brewery building which is for sale if anyone is interested hey. and the funny thing I did not realize is that when I was a senior in high school my senior portrait photographer was in one of the offices that now that is now in the KNS brewery building. So, uh, wow. yeah, and there is a local brewery and I unfortunately did not look it up before getting on tonight, but there is a Mishawaka brewery that has taken over the main area of the building and the iconic smokestack. 
And then also the dog that is with me is Chewbacca, a.k.a. Chewie, my little paranormal pooch. Aww. So today, which is October 5th is when we're recording this, our Kickstarter launched for this Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities comics anthology issue number one. And it's a 36-page comic anthology that we have been working on since February with local artists around the Cincinnati tri-state area. And it highlights local folklore of Cincinnati, Indiana, and, well, not so much Kentucky this time, I guess, but the Ohio River, which touches Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could say we touch Kentucky with the VV Indiana story of Jays. Yes, VV. Um, <laughs> we are sorry to everyone. Jay pronounces it Vive throughout every interview that we did. I love Jay. We have let him know that it's pronounced Vivi. We know it's Vivi. But I didn't. I didn't know until somebody from my writers group mentioned it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, I I love you, Indiana. You mispronounce every single foreign name ever. We've had a really exciting day. We've had we've done really well. This is my first Kickstarter I've ever run, so yes, you know I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah. Um, you know I didn't think we'd fund it in a day, um, no. but you know it, it, I I I think that it's it's very realistic and yeah. I, so, I you know it's a great book. So I hope everybody wants it um, because <laughs> I, I even learned stuff from it. Yeah, it focuses on six area locations. So those are the Loveland Frogman, the Loveland Castle, Satan's Hollow, which Christina worked on, Music Hall, um, Sedamsel Rectory, and Mermaids of the Ohio River, which is what Jay worked on, or Sedamsville Rectory. It's, we haven't been corrected yet, so... <laughs> but we will be <laughs> we will be but um yeah so sedamsville sedamsville that is my location and then the one that we're talking about tonight is music hall which is an iconic music hall it's where the opera i believe is in part in the ballet and a lot of it's really the cultural center of cincinnati and has been yeah, symphony opera 40 yeah. years yeah Sometimes so artists the interior pages are all black and white our exterior pages are color uh, those would be our covers our front cover was done by tom miller and our back color cover was done by amen hill um, all of us are local we have uh, 13 different tiers that people can choose from every from one dollar tier to three hundred dollars i know myself and christina we're doing sketches there's a tier where you can get sketches from us um, i'd be really excited if you request monsters because i like drawing monsters but it, people can request what sketches they want from us yes correct? yeah uh because i'm gonna be i i somebody has already gotten one of the watercolor sketches so oh nice i i'm not sure what i'm going to be doing yet um but i'm excited to do it yeah um but yeah we've got i i mean it, it the the book's really good and we're hoping to uh really have a couple stretch goals because we plan to do this every year and hopefully mm -hmm. next year's book will be maybe have a couple extra stories have some you know one page cryptid pinups yes um you know and and you know make it a little bit bigger each year um this is sort of our inaugural launch so yeah. you know obviously we want it to be a little bit bigger and better each year and there are quite a lot of places on your dossier that we didn't cover yet so mm -hmm. um and i'm sure people our listeners will have great ideas of places we can include in our book yeah um, yeah we've even been getting suggestions just doing the um interview scene yes yes basically the book signing tour that we're doing right now but for those of you who are curious there is a ten dollar pledge there's either the ghost hunter or the ghost in the machine hunter um that that's are, to get only digital so yeah uh, that's mean, what i was going to say there's um the ghost hunter one which is ten dollars is the digital edition plus the print edition and then ghost in the machine hunter is digital with a digital wallpaper and a name on the thank you page. And it goes up from there. Um, there's also a $1, like I said. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, we, um, you know, because shipping has gotten exorbitantly expensive mm -hmm. and also because of 
changing laws with the EU and with uh, Brexit and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't put a tier for international stuff, mm -hmm. but you can get the books digitally. You don't have where we don't ship them. We just send you a digital version of the book because right now shipping and customs forms is a little bit of a nightmare. Having I, I occasionally sell my artwork, um, you know overseas and there's quite a lot of forms that you have to fill out mm -hmm. and come to our we will have a link to our kickstarter page plus we have um our kickstarter video on our youtube page now so you can watch it and it has interviews with everyone and shows the art it's a really exciting book um we're already already getting people asking if they can be in the second book and definitely when we fund this hopefully we'll have enough beyond to uh really we kind of have talked about maybe even starting the art early and kind of gradually showing it off through the year and yeah. then having it culminating in the next uh, kickstarter next year in october yeah so the campaign starts today october 5th 2020 it goes till november 2nd 2020 and it features six stories from the cincinnati tri-state area done by all cincinnati local artists it's a great way just a gateway into folklore if you just really love regional stories you don't have to be from cincinnati to enjoy these stories the loveland frogman is quite internationally known as well as the loveland castle and Saddamsville rectory or sedamsville rectory has been on many many different paranormal shows so um there's it's really a great anthology we worked really hard for it um and I encourage everyone to pick up a copy. It's 36 pages. And uh, there's a whole lot of fun goodies that you can also request in the different tiers. We're really proud of this. And it kind of was what made this podcast possible. So yes, um, and we just wanted to keep talking about it. Exactly. And actually, <laughs> uh, in, in today's episode, we're going to show a little bit of the interview with Brandon mm -hmm. um, about Music Hall 2, because through his story, I had never heard of the, the steamer explosion. Yeah, that was something that I learned, too, that was new, because I'm not from Cincinnati, and the idea of a steamboat exploding on the Ohio River is quite terrifying. <laughs> and bodies body parts just raining down on people well, apparently uh like a terrible meat shower apparently steamboats really had that problem quite a bit um there's yeah. another local author that um wrote a book about a steamboat explosion uh and the book that i was talking about was about the explosion of the sultana and <laughs> that happened in marietta and um ohio uh marietta ohio and the Sultana was a steamboat carrying prisoners of war back home from uh, the Civil War, and it blew up. Yeet. And the number of dead was higher than who died on the Titanic. And so local author Kathy Weichman um, wrote a book about it called Like a River. And that's another story where when she wrote it, people were like, I never heard of this story before, yet so many people died from it. Well, um, I know a lot of steam locomotives exploded and those are fascinating photos to find in old archives and ohio is full of accidents like that so well they were probably unregulated pressure cookers that were driving i mean uh in in the time of everything turning into a brewery like you were describing the hacienda um one thing that's become popular recently is distilling your own liquor and one reason that it's it's slightly illegal is because it's slightly explosive yeah. um and your house go boom exactly you basically a distillery is a bomb that will blow up if you aren't careful and so that's why things like that need to be somewhat regulated or you know you get injured or killed by that mm -hmm. so yeah um and actually support uh, our kickstarter everyone yeah support our <laughs> kickstarter we've gotten really dark here yeah um, so uh I speaking guess of dark things we should just move right on over to the cincinnati <laughs> music hall okay so Cincinnati Music Hall, it is the heart of the Cincinnati arts community here. And it is also one of the most haunted locations in the United States. It has been on different, oh, just haunted lists, haunted location lists, haunted locales, anything that is, every time Halloween comes creeping around music hall, there is something written up about music hall. 
It is one of the most iconic facades in all of Cincinnati. Its Gothic face has looked over Washington Park and the Over the Rhine neighborhood for over 140 years. However, the land that it sits on has a very tumultuous past, which has led to the monolithic building to be home to a few ghosts. In 1821, the four-acre piece of land west of Elm Street and north of 12th Street became home to Ohio's first insane asylum, the Commercial Hospital and Lunatic Asylum of Ohio, which also was the parent hospital for the Orphan Asylum, the City Infirmary, the Cincinnati Hospital, and Longview Asylum. After 1832, a cholera outbreak and... <laughs> happened in Cincinnati and a portion of the land was made into a pauper cemetery and was used for that purpose for the next 25 years. This is where the remains of those 150 people who died in the ill-fated Moselle steamer were buried after the 1838 explosion on the Ohio River. As we mentioned, when the steamer exploded, their bodies were shredded apart, burned, and fell on top of the city. And... Uh, yeah, mm, that would have been a messy cleanup. Sorry, that's just editorializing right there. <laughs> As the Cincinnati Commercial wrote, which was the newspaper back in 1838, when the steamer Moselle exploded, her boilers above the site of the present waterworks and blew the skulls and limbs of blackened trunks of her passengers all over the city so that the falling bodies fell through the roofs of houses. The remains of the victims were gathered together and buried in a spot now covered by the south end of the horticultural hall. According to neighborhood lore, this is when ghosts started haunting around Elm Street and continue to this day. When, the, when city encroachment made it insuitable for the land to be used as a pauper's field and pest house, the previous tenants, both alive and dead, were relocated outside of city limits, the dead being moved to Spring Grove Cemetery. In 1859, the city of Cincinnati converted the property into Elm Street Park with a park hosting expositions of all sorts until 1876, when the park was turned over to a music hall association and construction started. Of course, construction turned up hundreds of human remains that and will continue to do so with every renovation to this day. Um, the 1927 un renovation uncovered three coffins that were reburied in the basement. And then another 65 graves, earning the side of the music hall the nickname Valley of Death. Those remains were also reburied on site. In May 1988, another elevator shaft uncovered 207 pounds of bones encased in concrete. These bones ended up in an anthropological study at the University of Cincinnati. The first performance of the new music hall was on May 14, 1878, with the North and South Exposition Halls being completed September 2, 1879. Ever since, those who work on the building late at night have heard phantom footsteps knocking from both the ceiling and the floor, the sounds of crashing timbers or glass breaking when nothing is amiss. Even seen the eerie form of a shrouded woman afloat in the prop room in the building's sub-basement. Both guests and performers alike have witnessed phantom patrons in the old box seats, heard unearthly music playing from the hall, and the box office has reported windows will ding to alert staff that somebody is there to purchase tickets, only find no one standing in front of the box office. I also have seen a ghost at the Cincinnati Music Hall. I know this wasn't included in our interview with Brandon, but I believe I saw the former um, conductor of the Cincinnati orchestra when I did the ghost hunt back in 2011 because he had previously died like a year or two beforehand so I can go into a little bit of that ghost story yes please, yes, please. <laughs> yeah um all right so I was actually it, it was around 2011 and I went to a convention called the Queen City Paracon and the big attraction to this convention was being able to actually ghost hunt or paranormal investigate the Cincinnati Music Hall. And this was when I was able to go all the way to the very bottom basement, which actually is the ground ground floor of the building where you can, if you walk on the dirt, you're just seeing pieces of bone sticking out left and right. You can tell that they were never really, they've tried to 
rebury but it being a pauper cemetery corpses were just thrown into burial pits of burial pits of various depths so they're still finding bodies even in washington park across the street um so we were in the middle of the ghost hunt i'm sitting on the um balcony looking down at the stage and this is before the renovation happened um and it's myself and then a few other paid patrons of this convention and then jeff belanger and i think it was the not the ghost brothers it was before them um it was the cling brothers i think were some of the guests at this particular event and they were all scattered all around the audience area. Some were in the old box seats. Some of them were in the balcony with me. And some of them were on the ground floor looking at the stage. And uh, it was not terribly late at night, maybe nine or 10. And we're sitting in this dark, dimly lit theater, staring at the stage. And it has what they call the ghost light on, on the stage, which is just a light so that you don't kill yourself falling off of the stage when all the rest of the lights are off and out from it must have originated from underneath the balcony but that main uh out not alleyway the walkway from the lobby all the way to the stage something just appeared and it looked like a man he was translucent but kind of gray shimmery silver wearing a sports jacket and he actually didn't have legs but i saw his shoulders in his sports jacket and his short cropped hair and i watched him very quickly float from the very back of the theater all the way to the stage and as soon as he hit where the orchestra would have sat for the ballet or for the opera he just evaporated and I know at least two other people there that night witnessed this apparition basically float down the center walkway, center aisle of Cincinnati Music Hall. Very bizarre. Um, talking to people who work in the construction of the props. The props department is very haunted. They have witnessed what looks like a woman's body come from, float out of the floor in a decaying burial shroud that the pauper's bodies would have been put into. And um, she'll just float out and then just kind of float away around on the floor. And she's been seen a few times by the person that I have talked to. Um, there are a lot of shadow people. I know the that have been witnessed throughout the building. Um, phantom singing, phantom clapping, um, and then the elevator shaft in the Southern Exposition Hall uh, is also, it's actually the first thing I ever learned was very haunted at that location. Um, and uh, people have heard banging and clawing and scratching from outside the elevator shaft, like people are trying to get into the elevator. And uh, yeah, that's Cincinnati Music Hall. Washington Park right across the street is also extremely haunted. People have seen ghosts float through there even before it was turned into a park. There are three or four headstones still erect, actually, just across from Cincinnati Music Hall in Washington Park. If you visit, it's going to be where the dog park is. And right next to the dog park are three original headstones. And it's rumored that from this pauper cemetery, a lot of body snatching was happening for the University of Cincinnati for their uh, doctors in training. So um, yeah, that, that's also a rumor. So Cincinnati was known for body snatching in, in the Midwest besides Chicago. <laughs> uh, yeah, Christina's laughing. <laughs> uh so yeah that is my ghost story from cincinnati music hall i highly um, urge people to go visit when especially when it opens they just renovated the building it finished in 2017 and it's beautiful it's huge i know in washington park we do a whole bunch of different fairs there's a crafty supermarket that's there there's a cincinnati flea which is our huge trendy flea market um it's just a really big core of the over the Rhine neighborhood, which the over the Rhine neighborhood gets its own episode because it is also super haunted. 
Oh, exciting, because I'd yeah. like to hear more about that. Uh, now, Jen, you have some articles you wanted to <clears throat> talk about. Yeah, I found these um, in the Inquirer archives today. So I'm just going to read read small quotes from them. Uh, this is from a story from October 31st, 1996. We <laughs> <laughs> Written by Mark Kernuke. And it's the title of the article is History Museum's Annual Tour Includes 16 Stops on Ghastly Side of the City. And it opens with this paragraph. And I apologize ahead of time for any mispronunciations of words and names. So here you go. Music hall manager Tom Bakenset was in the ballroom with two cleaning crew members on one day this summer when a door opened then closed very slowly. The swinging door had nothing to do uh, with a gust of wind. Musical legend has it is haunted. Its ghosts are the spirits of people buried in two century old cemeteries now beneath the building. Quote, it, oh, it's always been a creepy place, hall events manager Tom Caper says. Late at night, you hear all sorts of things. So that's one. Yeah. Um, I will say now being next to the big restaurant and bar district, you're going to hear all sorts of things <laughs> since I'm at Cincinnati Music Hall. Oh, good. I yeah. I guess I never really realized how haunted it was. Oh, um, yeah. Well, it like the old lunatic asylum. It, you have so, from just my experience of historic haunted places I've been to, places with a lot of trauma, tend to create a lot of hauntings yeah and um just the properties that had been in that four acre area saw so much trauma throughout history for different reasons and uh yeah it's um it, it causes a lot of ghosts especially really late at night and uh do you think the district one police station across the street is haunted too probably well, there's so it's many beautiful be. old buildings in over the Rhine with mm -hmm. really interesting histories. Um, you know, uh, when I was talking to Jeff for our Inquirer article, he was he was talking about some locations that we could cover. And a lot of it is like stuff would get left around and people would make stories about it and, and that sort of thing. Um, well, know. there's a building that is on. Oh, man, it's near where Taste of Belgium is. Oh, uh -huh. there I could point it out there was a murder suicide in the building and the property managers have reported that their tenants have reported lots of odd going ons like doors opening like poltergeist activity basically mm -hmm. doors opening and closing TVs turning on and off flipping channels um, pipes being banged pipes break like things that are more extensive than just it being an old building and you'll have the same issue happening from tenant to tenant to tenant in the same uh, apartment where it happened so um it's a beautiful building all of those buildings uh well a lot of them are being restored for good or for bad um but it, but it stirs things it stirs things whenever that yeah. happens so mm -hmm. do you have yeah. more articles I have, I think, one more, and this was from a December 6, 2015 article uh, by Janelle Galfand, Galfand, and it's titled Packing Up to Preserve a Musical Treasure. So it's basically interviewing Mary Judge, uh, the CSO's principal librarian, um, as they were packing up for the renovation. Right. So this is her story. Mary Judge regularly worked. Uh, works into the wee hours at Music Hall. As she walks through its halls, another memory surfaces. My very, quote, my very first ghost experience was with Eric Kunzel. It was 3 a.m. and we were working on fixing some pops arrangements, she recalled. It was the middle of July and it was so hot, there was no air ventilation, it was awful. Her phone rang and Kunzel asked her to come to his office. So I move into the hallway. And all of a sudden I'm covered in, per in my per personal air conditioning. It was really nice. I take a step, I stop and it stops. I'm going down the hall in my, in my personal air conditioner, she said. I go into Eric's room and cross the threshold and it stops and stays in the hallway. 
I left his office and I was surrounded again until I stepped back into the library. She doesn't know if Music Hall's ghosts will follow them or be there when they return. I've always felt that the spirits that roam here never threaten, she said, they just roam, end quote. Yeah, that goes with all yeah. the reports that I've heard. That's a great story. Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of like a care caregiving yeah, taking care yeah. of her. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I, I cut together the video on Music Hall um, that's on our YouTube channel, I found a picture from the library of the old asylum. Ooh. And and it was it was interesting because that, that that's one thing where we talk about learning about the area because mm-hmm. you know it it's really hard to find. I mean, obviously they had to be drawings of stuff. There wasn't yeah. cameras back then. And one thing that's interesting about Cincinnati is it is has been. I mean, it has been inhabited for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a lot of interesting stories like the cholera epidemic, and you said like the poppers. Uh, uh, the poppers cemetery yeah cemetery mm-hmm. and even you know up until recent years where before they renovated washington park it was sort of like a derelict it's very um, sad but it happened yeah it was and, and, and one wonders if if the reason it was so bad was was part of that bad feeling kind of seeping in it could have mm-hmm. been um yeah it's it did see a, a low point in its history where mm-hmm. there was still a lot of traumatic events happening there they were just a different flavor than in a sane asylum you're you're going to have um so there was a lot of homelessness there still is and Mm -hmm. transient people that were um living in those areas and uh yeah which is just a flip from when a lot of over the rhine was beer halls and restaurants which is starting to turn back into again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hopefully Um, it will come back after covid yeah Yeah, prohibition Mm -hmm. really killed that area So Brandon Wagner, local <laughs> Cincinnati artist, hello. you have lent your talents to this massive undertaking of a story about the Cincinnati Music Hall. Why did you choose the Cincinnati Music Hall to cover for uh, our anthology? Funny enough, I knew about Cincinnati Music Hall before I started learning about the wonderful haunted mysteries that abound uh, in its halls. Uh, I performed there with my high school choir uh once with a uh for i believe a christmas show and it was a wonderful time i got to see the inside um from like the stage perspective and it is an absolutely gorgeous piece of architecture uh so i had that in like in my bell loops uh yeah from just being able to take part of that but unfortunately i didn't get the chance to explore too late at night to uh get a chance to see anything uh eerie or slimy Mm -hmm. um but after learning uh extensively about the the past of the building through my online research and also through a current exhibit that's going on in the museum where i work as security Mm -hmm. uh i learned a lot about like the land that the building was placed on and the paupers field. And I stemming from that, then just like the plethora of red string just comes out of the woodwork. And I start making pieces together. Just like, Oh yeah. The people from the Moselle steamer explosion would obviously be buried in a place where they couldn't identify bodies. Because they were unidentifiable. Because they were just shreds. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, I easily fell in love with that aspect and stuff like that. Like haunted music halls, a wide cast of characters that float through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I instantly fell in love with that premise. Yeah, it, it. I learned a lot just getting the dossier ready for this project because I didn't know about the Moselle steamer explosion. I, yep. I knew about the Cincinnati Music Hall. I knew about it being on a pauper cemetery because I had seen shows about it when I was living in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So moving here, I'm like, yeah, the Cincinnati Music Hall is haunted, but did not know about the steamer explosion. Yeah. So learning about that from your comic, I was just like, oh, oh, that's just an entire level of crazy that I didn't expect. 
and just more morbid, more literally raining down onto the city. Yeah, I, I, I discovered that f- that was like one of the first things I found when I was looking into like music hall and it just like directed me to that and i was like mm-hmm. how are these connected oh this is like 20 years before the museum was built yeah <laughs> like before like the whole exposition hall was built yeah um and it was i thought that was really fascinating i it was also interesting to discover that the uh the exposition halls held like essentially what would end up being the world's fair in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, for years before it was adapted into uh, a performance stage. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I learned, that was really interesting. Just learning about how all these major cities had exposition halls and areas mm-hmm. and then the world's fair coming around. I mean, the one in Chicago is just particularly well known because of the, um, H.H. Holmes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stalking everyone in his murder castle. Oh, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, what are you going to do? Uh, so you, there's a lot of history with the Cincinnati Music Hall. How did you manage to condense it the way that you did? You put it into six pages. Yes. <laughs> this wonderfully illustrated black and white, like their Penny Dreadfuls from the Victorian era. Thank you very much. Uh, I... I wanted to, I wanted to kind of tell this like haunted mansion esque story of getting the band back together. <laughs> so <laughs> I like so, that. So I so I had this idea of like come foolish mortals and check out this wonderful show we have for you. We've got orphans in the basement. We've got that ghost in the rafters, <laughs> and we've got the the main attraction, the woman in white, wafting through the halls and scaring the security guards. <laughs> and since you are a security guard, you got like connection yes. to that. Yes, but uh, in a contemporary art museum, you deal with a whole lot of different monsters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I like how you use the stark black and white. Now, is this traditionally drawn or did you use a, is it digitally drawn? I drew all six pages in Procreate on my iPad. Yes, I absolutely fell in love with that software. I've been using it ever since. Uh, I've completely given up paper and I'm kicking myself that I haven't started doing this sooner. (laughs) It is such a drastic change in work ethic and I, I love every minute. Yeah. It's, I like it. I I like procreate and a lot of the more recent programs have managed to mimic how ink spreads on paper a lot better than before. Mm -hmm. So procreate's pretty good for that. There's a few others like Adobe fresco is also awesome for its watercolors. So, yeah, but I I like how you put it all together and it flows so well. And uh, (laughs) like going back to the Mosul exploding, it's you get to see limbs raining down on people in such a cartoony (laughs) fashion. Yeah, Uh, it was such a drastic opening. To like start off, I wanted to do that first so that people would be like, wait, this is about music hall? I'd be like, ah, wait a second. There's so much history. <laughs> and I, I remember, have you ever done one of the ghost hunts either in music hall or around Washington Park at uh, OTR? No, not an OTR. I did take, I did take a ghost tour in uh, uh, Cemetery. I've already forgot, Spring Grove. Yeah, Spring and Grove. It's our lovely cemetery. It's it's actually very beautiful. It is. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> it's a sculpture it, cemetery. Yes. So, it, like Mount of, Auburn in Boston. Yes. And a lot of big Cincinnati names as well. Like Procter and Gamble are like parked across a lake from each other. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that Eternally was Eternally just waving at each other. Yeah, exactly. How's um, the soap business, Procter? It's fine, Gamble. It's fine. I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> It's like my gravestone is a bench. Come say hi. Uh, one of well, one of them is, mm. uh, but it's there's so much history in the macabre side of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, because Washington Park also was built on part of this pauper cemetery, and when they were building the garage that's underneath it now, they just were excavating all these bones, and yep. the pauper cemetery. It's rumored was one of the favorite places for the University of Cincinnati to do body snatching. 
Of course. So Cincinnati has a very healthy history of body snatching corpses for use of, <laughs> for all the medical students. It's just a rumor. Of course. It's just a rumor. A lot of aspiring Frankensteins. <laughs> Have you seen, you, you mentioned before you haven't seen anything spooky at Music Hall. Uh, no. no. Uh, I, I guess because I was always in a crowd, no one mm-hmm. came out. Uh, but I, I did get a chance to rehearse there in the dark, and it is, it is very eerily quiet. I guess because you, I looking back on it now, I wish I checked the upper rafters a bit more to look mm-hmm. for like the box dine ghost, the famous mm-hmm. box dine ghost. When uh, after it was originally turned into a music stage, the owner brought his son at the time to check out the place and the son points to box nine and says look there's a man he's waving at me and by the time he looks up there's no one there and i i love that story so i i had to include him in uh my excerpt for the anthology oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's one of the really well-known ghost stories from yeah musical which makes me wonder what's going to happen now that the box seats have all been removed yes yeah so are we going to still see him did he disappear forever I like. I, I like will to, tell. I like to hope they can adapt, but <laughs> like, like we can. They've been there for 140 years, right? Like, why stop now? Yeah. <laughs> so next week, uh, we're going to have Carrie Logan Houlihan. Um, we're interviewing her on Thursday, and she has written a book called "Creepy and True: Ghosts Unveiled." And um, we're going to interview her about that book. And she has a little bit of Cincinnati stuff, but this is actually worldwide hauntings. Um, I think uh, Kat had mentioned she even talks about, uh, you said, uh, some Japanese ghosts? Yeah, she does talk about some Japanese ghosts like Okiku and the well, and which is what the ring's based off of. Yes, so, so that should be interesting. And she has a couple pages on Music Hall, too. So mm-hmm. uh, Music Hall really is sort of world renowned for its amount of haunting um unfortunately with covid i'm not sure if they're doing they probably are doing haunted tours because you don't have as many people uh, on those and they probably just take a limited number not unlike the dent uh schoolhouse so right. uh, i have a friend that went to uh one of those haunted tours a couple of years ago and she got some really great pictures of orbs and said it was really creepy. I would love to see some of the hidden rooms there and check that out sometime. So maybe we'll have um, a visit there with our, you know, you know a, a special edition uh, hometown haunts visit there sometime. That sounds good. That'd be cool. All right. So Mary wrote in to Christina and shared her story from Independence, Missouri. And she writes, walking distance from President Truman's personal home in Independence, Missouri, is another house of an era dating back to the 1850s. I was living in it for a very short time back in the 1970s. It was a two-story home with a significant attic, such as was common in those days. There were often times when the entire family would be downstairs watching TV, doing homework, etc., when startling sound was heard by all of us. This happened more than once. It was as if a box of glass items fell and made the sound of a crash and shattering. With all, we all jumped and some of us would rush upstairs where we heard the noise coming from, thinking we would witness a floor full of glass shards, but there would be nothing. Not a toy, purse, makeup, nothing had fallen and nothing of glass was on any of the shelves in the rooms. There would be other times when just two of us were home. On the first floor, we would hear water running. Following the sound, we would go together upstairs to find the faucet in the bathroom on full blast. Neither of us had been upstairs in a few hours, so we knew it was neither of us that had done it. The history behind the house, as told to me, was that originally it was a family home, but during the Civil War, it was used as a hospital. I do know that Independence was a border city between Kansas and Missouri, and both had guerrilla and regular troops, with the Confederate troops having a large number of guerrilla troops. There were two significant battles, one in 1861 and again in 1862. This house was used as a triage hospital during the battles. I am not sure which one specifically. The history then becomes foggy, with a mention of being a general store during the 1910s to the 1940s. The front of the house is set up to have street 
facing storefront windows, and somewhere in the 1950s to the 1970s, it was a halfway house for those released from the nearby jail. Then my in-laws bought it in the late 1970s and started a dollhouse shop using the storefront for the business and living in the back sections and upstairs and doing restoration of the house. Now, the most disturbing incident as pertaining to this haunted house happened to me. At this time, I was 19 years old and was six months pregnant with my first child. I helped my mother-in-law with running the dollhouse business. And, and as happens when you are pregnant, it was common for me to take a nap around 2 p.m. My room was upstairs. And on this particular day, I had lain down and was not asleep because the baby, sorry, the baby was doing a lot of moving. I know I had closed my eyes and then opened them to find two people standing over me, a woman in a long dress and an apron and a gentleman in a dark suit and no hat. I knew immediately that they were not of this current era. They were leaning over me, looking at my face, and then the man drew the sheet or blanket over my face and said, this one is gone. I reached up to swipe the sheet off my face, but nothing was there, and the man and the woman had disappeared. I said... Yeah. I sat up and looked around the empty room. I was alone. My in-laws made jokes of the broken glass sounds and the water running. They never believed me and my story. I told them of the man and the woman standing over me. They are my ex-in-laws as of 1984, and I can tell you that we never saw eye to eye on many topics. This haunting was only the first and should have been a hint of what would happen in just a short year later, but that is a different story. Wow, that's intense. Whoa. That was a very intense story. That, and, and again, mm. the water. Again, the water. Uh, yeah. You, what you you said that there is that that because uh, Charlie's story last week had a, a water connection. Is that it, there's a lot of uh, stories of spirits traveling through water and water being. Yeah. So water and the other side have a interesting connection. Um, it depends on what culture you're a part of, but I will say a lot of ghosts tend to haunt around places with a lot of natural springs or a lot of natural flowing water. I can say from Japanese folklore, uh, a lot of homes or castles will have bridges that have kind of a kink in them. So they would uh, kind of look like a lightning bolt. And this was because ghosts in a at one point in Japanese theology can only travel going straight as well as Oni or ogres or demons so that they would put this little um, kink in the bridge so that they can only go one direction so they can never cross the water. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But being in Gettysburg, one of the most famous hauntings is at the bridge there where you see troops, both union and Confederate crossing the waterway. So it's interesting how ghosts tend to be very active around water. And then looking back at Mexican folklore, you have uh, La Llorona, who is a water ghost that will either pull you in or um, kill you on the banks of rivers. So yeah, there's a lot of ghost stories pertaining to water. A lot of poltergeist activity has to do with water, like faucets running, um, running into poltergeist or ghostly activity with glass shattering. I've run into that in my own house growing up. It's really frustrating because you think cat, a cat or uh, something is broken glass and you go run upstairs to see what it is and nothing is amiss. So it's very, it kind of shatters your nerves in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Look, a cat. I know she, she (laughs) likes being, speaking of shattering nerves, she's trying a different tack. Instead of being on my Cintiq, she's on my scanner right now. (laughs) but peeking in uh, she always likes to be involved so we've had a lot of cat activity this episode yeah we have (laughs) Uh, cat and cat right (laughs) Um, not confusing at all (laughs) uh, this has been a great episode um anyone else have anything in closing or uh next week you know send us more haunts we love reading these stories they're super interesting Um, yes and yes, we're yes. going to have our interview next week and back yes. our Kickstarter. Yes. And, um, you know, thanks for joining us again. Yes. So for our 
social media handles. You can find us on YouTube with Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. This is our hometown haunts podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Sin Cabinet Curio and also on Instagram at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities. And on Facebook, it's just look for us at Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. <laughs> That's my screaming toddler. I hope everyone keeps spooky. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a Bye. good night.